Hello and welcome to the Irish Vice Podcast. We're back again round the table with Jacqueline McGuinness to talk all things Man United. Chaotic week so far. Lots of rumours, lots of bullshit, lots of absolute nonsense going around at the minute off the back of Manchester United's defeat on Sunday. And while 3-0 isn't a ridiculous scoreline to beat, I think it's the manner of that defeat that really has done it for people. So we'll dive in. How are you? I'm fine. Hello everyone. So, a few, as usual, I'm sure I've been on the forums and in the media and seeing all things United. What's the most damning stuff that's coming oh, out? It's the same bullshit. In terms of Ten Hag oh, and whether he stays or goes? Ten Hag out, Rashford out, Fernandez out, we're not good enough. Um, everybody needs to be binned, play the youth. Same regurgitation, manager after manager. Play the Youth was an interesting one i seen come up where there seems to be this opinion where people would rather have Garnacho starting than Marcus Rashford because Rashford doesn't put a shift in. They'd rather have Mabry on as a 10 if Bruno Fernandes isn't going to do the job and Bruno Fernandes is going to be the cut the frustrating figure and stuff. Do you actually agree with that? To a certain extent, I would play Garnacho over Rashford at the minute. Okay, in why? My opinion. Because Rashford is not putting a shift in. Rashford is looking disinterested. Rashford is out of form. I'm not talking about dropping him indefinitely. I'm talking about dropping him for the next couple of games. Garnacho, in my opinion, can't do any worse than Rashford. And he is getting, I'm not on social media, but apparently he's getting dogs abuse on social media and getting dogs abuse in the stadium. And that can't be any good for his confidence. No, I would say it isn't. But I don't see how Garnacho fixes any of those problems. It's, I mean, when you say that he isn't putting the shift in, putting the shift in in terms of what? Are we talking about tracking back? Not just tracking back. His whole demeanour looks off. It's this throwing his arms up in the air when a pass doesn't reach him. It's, he just looks disinterested. Is that not passion? Is that not the exact No, it looks, he's disinterested. But so if you are throwing your hands up in the air, right, and you are frustrated at the lack of quality of Manchester United, and you're putting it... To go back to the Man City game, there was two chances in the City game. One that Man United created, and one that fell into their lap. Two clear-cut chances. Marcus Rashford created the only chance of the game. But we're saying that's not good enough. He's not good enough, Roy. He is not... Ad- but who else created... Like, I can understand where we're coming from with this, and we went over this a wee bit on Sunday... But Marcus Rashford created the only chance of the game because he made a run that no one else could have made. He took the ball down his chest and yes, he fluffed it. But, but that was a pass why are we not calling Bruno Fernandes, was it not? I can't remember who made the pass. I would need to go back. I don't think it was Bruno Fernandes. I'm pretty sure it was a long diagonal away from the back. I don't think it was. We'll look back and we'll have a look at that. Uh, but yes, why are we not saying this about the rest of the players? Bruno Fernandes played as a right winger, he didn't score. Rasmus Heidelman played as a centre forward, he didn't score. But, and I can understand why Rashford is getting abused, but why is it only Rashford? Why is there rose tinted glasses applied to Bruno Fernandes in the right wing and Rasmus Hoagland playing up front when these lads aren't scoring? Anthony coming into the game, not scoring. Garnaccio at the minute coming into the game and not scoring. But some people seem to think the fix is we'll stick Garnaccio on for 90 minutes and it'll all change. He'll be the kickstart to get the season going. I personally just can't see that. Well, in my opinion, I can see your case with Bruno Fernandes. Marcus Rashford has started every game. He's been on the pitch most of the games for the Bruno started every game. Are you listening? I said I can see your case with Bruno Fernandez, mm-hmm. but the like of Garnacho and Anthony, they're not getting, they're not starters. 
Marcus Rashford has started every game from the season has started and he's put in 5 out of 10 performances in every game that he's started. Apart from the one he scored and the assist that he has, which no other person in the front line has, either of, this season. But that's not, that's indicative of, of how poor we are, that front line. Yeah. Yeah. But the only person that seems to be shouldering the weight of the abuse Was in the stadium. Was one goal and one assist. Exactly. That's your argument. I'm arguing that the striker and the right winger haven't done any better, but we're putting it all on this lad. Why? Why are we not getting after the entire front line as a collective? Why are we not? We cheered. There was booze rang out when Rasmus Hoiglund was taken off the other day and they made that substitution. And I can kind of understand it. Eric Ten Hag came out and he said, look, I have to protect this lad. He's brand new into the Premier League. The Premier League is physically demanding and X, Y and Z. They booed the decision to take him off. He hasn't done anything this season, apart from look lively. But he's looked lively. He's looked for the ball. He's putting a shift in. But again, to go back to it, and... Yes, he hasn't scored a goal. He no, he hasn't, sco- hasn't provided an Quite assist. Quite the looked really lively last season. We were all commenting his breast and stuff like that. It doesn't really matter. You can't put the ball in the back of the head. Mm, true. Anthony Marshall looks like a bright spark when he comes on, does a few flicks, tricks, ends up with fuck all, because that's just the player he is. For Anthony Marshall, Marshall is brought on for the last 10 minutes of the game. What is he supposed to do? No, I get that, but he doesn't do. He doesn't score goals. Anthony sometimes starts. He so started. He hasn't star, started. I'm you, not. You're a big main star and Marcus Rashford because he's the only one out of our front line who scored one goal. No, no, that's or one assist. No, you're not listening to what I'm saying. I'm asking the question: Why are we simply putting the abuse on Marcus Rashford and not getting after Hyveland, Anthony, and Bruno Fernandez, who are equally as poor this year? But Rasmus Hoyland has the excuse that he's brand new into the team. Agreed. Bruno Fernandes is the captain. He's played as a right winger. He's played as a 10. He's a creative midfielder. He hasn't got one assist. But no, he's not the problem. It's Rashford. No, but Bruno Fernandes is creating chances. Our front line aren't scoring those created chances. Bruno Fernandes does not... He doesn't stop yapping, but he doesn't stop running either. Bruno Fernandes, and I, I have known nothing about this XG. Well, I don't. I know nothing about the stats. But apparently, his XG assists is off the charts. Bruno Fernandes, but Bruno Fernandes is doing his job to a certain extent. Our front line are just useless. But we only—he's part of our front line. How many goals has he created for Rasmus Hoyland to score this season? But we are getting into positions, Roy, and we're not taking... Marcus we got into Rashford. two positions the other day. One was a mistake well, from Manchester City. Just go back Saturday. to one match, right? Okay. Go back through the, the, the start of the season. Okay. Right, so it must be frustrating for a creative player like Bruno Fernandes to be creating these chances. Right, so Bruno Fernandes is creating the chances, but other people aren't putting them away. I'm not saying he's creating loads of chances, I'm just saying he's creating chances. I think he's created chances, didn't Bruno Fernandes got an assist against Sheffield United when he played as a 10. What did he play in the Burnley game when he scored? Was it as a 10 or a right winger? Oh, I can't remember. I think Bruno Fernandes should never be played out in that right-hand side. I agree. The manager is choosing that. So that makes him, whether everybody likes it or not, part of the front line because he's playing as the right winger in a trident. Now, I think against Burnley, he played in the right wing again, but... Bruno Fernandes didn't play well against Burnley. He just stole the show with a fantastic finish. And I think that's where Bruno is frustrating people, including myself at the minute. You're not seeing this output. You can pull stats from everywhere. There was one 
out and out chance the other day for Manchester United and it was the long ball into Marcus Rashford which he controlled brilliantly on the chest and then he fluffed. Puts the ball in the net, he's a hero again. We all talk about football being moments. Scores that one redemption from Marcus Rashford but he misses it so now he gets all the abuse. But on to another man that's getting abused in the minute, our manager Erickson Hag, who is having to shoulder an awful lot of criticism and an awful lot of nonsense and bullshit that I'm reading. There was stories coming out that there's dissension in the camp over training methods. That the training methods, there's a perception around the football club that the training methods are too hard, too strenuous and it's leading to injuries. Then it also said that some of the players are finding it very hard um, to sort of rest up and purr for the next games again because of the strenuous training methods. Where does this crap come from? That, that rhetoric started at the end of Mourinho's reign. Yeah, it seems to be a regurgitated story that they use yeah. against different managers. And I would put the house on it that it's the same league. But I tell you my take on Ligger. this one, right? And this isn't to have a go at any journalist or whatever, but I'm going to have a go at journalists, right? I don't think there is a league. I think this is a story that sold well and got a lot of clicks and garnered a lot of attention on social media and they rinse and repeat this story when they're having a when Manchester United are going through a rough period. And I tell you why, this is a story we've heard with every manager post Mourinho, you're right. And no other football club has these supposed leaks. Now we are bigger in our own right than most football clubs in England, pretty much every club in England. But there is no other big club going through a downturn, going through a rough spell that has this sort of crap coming out. The canteen lady told me that the mood is really, really bad and that Earth and Ag looks a bit forlorn and it's starting to feel like Ollie. What the fuck are you talking about? But he's not about? wearing his pink shirt today and he's glum. I know, that's it. It's oh, he didn't say hello to me today. So yeah, the camp's, camp's gone wrong. Like, it just... It's clickbait nonsense. It feels that way. And that's... And that way. United at the minute is a circus with... Um, the takeover, is it really happening? When will it happen? How many billion will he spend when he does take over the sporting aspect of Man United? And they are and always will, yeah, I would say always will be the biggest, the biggest show in time. They're a juggernaut of a club. And if they can't find anything to write, they'll make it up. It feels that way. I mean, you could probably spend a podcast alone talking about rumours and people would want to listen to it. And some people want to believe the sensationalist doomism. But I said at the very start of this, I was going to try and be pragmatic and an optimistic Man United fan and have it as more of a... It's been hard to be optimistic recently, but have it very as more hard. of an optimistic one in this, um, I don't know, rant and rave sort of appeal. So I'm not even addressing those rumours. It just feels like bullshit spun out to put pressure on a man who's already under pressure unnecessarily. Did you hear the latest rumour about the jersey's been too tight? Oh no, tell me this. What the f- what? Oh yeah, it's a thing. Um, the jerseys are too tight. The jerseys tight. are too tight. Oh! They're restrictive and the socks are too tight and they have to wear um, the retro jerseys. Do you know, I actually think i seen a clip of this and I thought... They had to because Ali McCoist and... Was it actually... And Brazil had a parody and talk sport today of oh, it. Oh, I thought it was one of those articles, to be honest, that comes across your Twitter feed or your Instagram feed and you look at it and think, do you know what, there, there it is, there it is. Social well, media gone wrong, but it was actually addressed. Well, apparently some, this is according to sources. And it made it on the talk sport. It made it on the talk sport. That their jerseys are, so, it was something to do with the socks, that they've been wearing a replica lot, socks from a the A lot start. of players I have seen just cut the back out of the socks. Especially, have you seen the size of Jack Brilish's calves? 
Yeah, and I think I watched El Clasico and Jude Bellingham does the same. He makes two yeah. incisions in the back of his sock. Because they're too restrictive. To allow them, yeah, yeah. to come up. So that, that's a given. You know, that's not just down to Man United, <clears throat> excuse me, players. But no, this, apparently some of the uh, some of the players, first teamers, have approached club officials to complain about the jerseys being too tight. I have one of this year's jerseys, but it's a replica. Mine isn't too tight. No, that's why they're buying are wearing replica jerseys now. Some of the first teamers, because they're not the the ones that Adidas make for the first team, are the slim fit ones. The but you think hold on a minute, right? I I could, almost got lost down that rabbit hole there with my own thoughts. But ten games into the season, yeah, August, September, October has gone past. We're in a downturn. Sensationalist journalism everywhere after the Man City loss, and all of a sudden now, now there's an issue with the jerseys that are complaining. That could be um, one of the reasons why our front line are misfiring. They just get into position and they go to kick the butt, and it's the socks are too tight. No. I told you, it has to be something. I would understand from Hoyland because he's a beast of a lad, but if Bruno Fernandez and Marcus Rashford are having shirt issues, well, they're wearing you, children sizes because there's nothing to them. I tell you how funny it is because um, it was Andrea Onana, the the side of Andrea Onana. If he had said, problems, then it would and someone them. said, could they not afford to buy Andrea Onana a jersey of his own that they had to give him David de Gea's jersey? <laughs> yeah, I mean Onana. It's farcical. Hoyland complained, okay, but the re- I don't know. Look, th- that could be a genuine issue. That could have been addressed at the start of the season. My point is, you wait for everything to take a bit of a dip, and now it's everything. But the canteen lady says that Burton Hag exactly, is feeling a bit point. sad and stuff. I think that came out from... All these snippets of discontent. No? Yeah. I think it was the, was it the United stand. I'm not too sure. I don't want to fact it up. Somebody get it wrong. But it came out afterwards to say that somebody had reported that the mood is quite low at Manchester United. I mean, of course it's low. They're not playing good football. Exactly. They're not... I think... They're not winning games. I think well, you and I, yeah, and we'll get back on track to talk about the Newcastle okay. game, but I think you and I talked about this before. There is some sort of like unrealistic view from fans that there are these massive hierarchies at football clubs, that they're treated like these businesses we see on TV, that everything is like success in the TV show. If Man United are to make a decision, 10 people sit around a boardroom and that flows down to 10 managers and then it all gets direct and tag. The structure of Manchester United Football Club at the minute is quite simple. Joel Glazer, who's an absentee owner, sits at the very top of it, right? Just Joel, because Joel is the appointed representative from the Glazer family. As the owner of Manchester United, we've seen that when he gave his open-hearted letter of nonsense and bullshit to the fans. Then underneath that, you have uh, Richard Arnold. So Richard Arnold is the current CEO of the company. He's a financial expert. He's an accountant, very distinguished accountant. Then underneath him, you've got Eric Ten Hag and John Murda. John Murda is the current footballing director and Eric Ten Hag is the current manager of the football club. That's it. There's no overarching, there's no offices sitting here and there where you've got an owner and a board member and all this sitting at Old Trafford or Carrington waiting to give these decisions. If the mood is poor at Carrington Training Complex at the minute, the only people that will physically be there and aware of that is Eric Ten Hag and Murda. So if it's glum and if it's blue, that is coming from the players and annoyance at the footballing aspect of the game. What's going on in that club? Now, yes, there'll be an army of staff to look after them, but you think of what it takes to look after a football club. There'll be the physios, there'll be the coaching staff, and then there'll be the administerial staff that are there to look after paperwork and whatever, and then there'll be the catering staff. 
that is who faces these problems day in day out. So I think sometimes when we hear this, the, oh the mood is grim at Carrington, you think, oh god, it must be Gary Neville saying it's toxic. Yeah, it probably is toxic. Where is it coming from? Social media. And I'll tell you why. Play, all players have family. Like, if you were having a bad day at the office, you would go home to your wife and say, see that so-and-so, and, and he's bullying me, and he's, it's not fair, and whatever. And then your wife gets onto social media. Yeah, yeah. That's where it's coming from. Family members um, who live on social media and yeah. live off their, their relations. I'm sure there is a, a bit of a glum feeling about that squad because there are certain decisions that have been made that have sort of come back on us because of different circumstances. Scott McTominay was widely rumoured to want, or not to want to win, but we wanted him sold. So he can't be overly happy. Probably happy with his performances, he's making the right sound bites. Harry Maguire can't be overly happy. Harry Maguire's come back in and done his thing at the club, but he knows that the club openly wanted to get rid of him and they stripped him of the captaincy. Jaden Sancho was an issue. Anthony had his wee string and then he's throwing his hissy fit on the sideline of the weekend because he couldn't get on and then throwing a hissy fit on the pitch. So there probably is that. But what I'm saying is, it is up to John Murda, Eric Ten Hag and Richard Arnold to then address that now and try and quell some of that dissension within Stop that it. group stamp it out, exile the players that are causing it and bring Manchester United back to order now. Because there's no overarching ownership or glazer influence when it comes to Carrington. Carrington itself is in the hands of John Murda and Erecton Hag. It's on them to get this right and to get Manchester United back with a bit of chemistry and a bit of a bit of a smile on their face. A bit of entertaining football as well. Yeah, I mean, a segue is into tonight. United versus Newcastle. Oh. Do you know, it's a Carabao Cup game and in any other season you would look at this and think this is a bit of a throwaway and probably an opportune moment to have a few tins on a Wednesday night and watch Manchester United play football. It doesn't feel like that tonight. It feels ominous, like there's so much weight on it. I was actually hoping that it would be called off because of the weather, but apparently Manchester aren't getting the weather until 6 o'clock tomorrow morning. So it's going ahead, but... It's a big, big call from tonight. Everybody's calling for Bruno Fernandes' head. Everybody's calling for Marcus Rashford's head. It's who will he play? And then there's a game on Monday. And then is there a Champions League game next week as well? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Copenhagen return fixture comes next week. See, they're no coming thick and fast, yeah. And with no... Luke Shaw... Is yet to be come back. Armand Basaka is only back. Kobe Mano played ninety minutes last night. Oh, Kobe Kobe Mano played ninety minutes last night and is being heralded on social media as a mixture between Angolo Kante and Senadine Sidan. That's Sidane. straw clutching. It's Absolute embarrassing from some yeah. outlets. It really is. The lad played a youth game last night. Context and realism. He played a youth game and he looked very good in the youth game. And I would agree. I've seen clips. I've seen highlights. There are standout moments where he does look above that level. He's not ready But yet. not to come in and play against a physically imposing side like Newcastle. You'll you'll do an Ahmed Jallo to the lad. Jallo went up to Rangers. Now, we've all seen the talent of this boy playing for Sunderland. He went into one derby game and a friend of mine, Shane Campbell, who watches the Scottish League, texted me and said, Ahmed Jallo has just been ruined in the Scottish League off the back of one game. And I tried to argue back without saying it and said to him. Into, though. And then I tried to watch Jallo playing for Rangers just for a bit to take an interest. And he did. He went so into his shell. 
It was the wrong moment to bring the lad on. It was the wrong game to put him into and it ruined his confidence. Please don't do that to Kobe Maynard. There are calls today on, in the, sorry, in the Manchester Evening News to drop Johnny Evans and play Reese Bennett. <laughs> exactly. You, the reaction that I had. Do you know, it's just, like, there's delusional and then there's that. There is, there's, oh, I don't know, like, fair play to the people who have the optimism to think that that's the way forward. That is a nice, positive way to think. But no, for so many reasons. You'll, you'll destroy not no because it couldn't work. I would really hope it would no, work. No, because they're not good enough. But you're taking a massive chance there where if it doesn't work and this person can't adapt work. to that level, you know, you're destroying their confidence. Look how long Hannibal Medry had to wait for first team opportunities. Exactly. Yeah, but see, every well, especially people from around that area, rose tinted, tinted glasses on where the academy is concerned as well. Our first team are failing to entertain us. Oh, so the big shout is throw the kids on. Yeah. They're not ready, but they're from the academy. And your Manchester and passion will be there and the energy will be there. Just throw the kids on and everything would miraculously work out. Yeah. I think if you look at Arsenal and you look at Man City, two best teams in the Premier League, I'm going to go for it at the minute. Are any of their kids coming through? Any of their youth team coming through? Cole Palmer came through for Man City last season and they used that as a way to get him sold because they exactly. didn't think he was good enough. That's why they played him. Yeah. That is, and they could play him because there was, that is a very cohesive team. Yeah. So he was playing, we're, we throw our kids on and they're playing in the most disjointed team at the minute in the Premier League. And if it doesn't go right, you know, you're not only they're thrown back into the ether. Yeah, they're thrown back in and, people, and the manager will turn around and have this opinion or the coaches will turn around and have this opinion. Right, we tried it and it didn't work. Yeah. You need to we wait until the team the is performing consistently well yes. before you blood these players through. And I think that is what Eric Den Hag is trying to do. The problem is... Last year he put himself under pressure because of the competitions he was in and because of all the matches. Yeah. And the further you go in a competition, of course you want to win it. However, there wasn't a real viable opportunity last season to blood properly some of these young players. This season we're all over the place. So there isn't an opportunity at present to do the same thing. I think we had done what we needed to do up until a certain point last season and then the wheels started to come off. And when the wheels started to come off, that's not the point. That's not to the point where you start putting these players into that team. So we didn't get the opportunity because we grasped at the end of last season to try and keep ourselves in the last four, to try and hold on to your Europa League dream and a few cup dreams and we got over the line, thankfully, due to the absence of some of our rivals yeah. last season. But they're back now. But anyway, Newcastle. Newcastle are having their own sort of issues. Played that really hard game against Wolves where VAR absolutely robbed them in it. I thought that was an awful decision. But anyway... Do you think United beat Newcastle? I think they have a chance tonight because Eddie Howe's in the same boat as Eric Ten Hag. He has to rest players because of the games coming up. Totally different ball game for Newcastle this season. They're in the Champions League as well. So they their, their games are coming thick and, and fast, the same as ours. And there are a couple of players that are either injured or he won't he won't chance tonight. I don't think Newcastle are at the level, and I think Eddie Howe is very realistic with this. I don't think Newcastle are at the level where they can start thinking, oh, we've got the Champions League and we've got the Premier League, so we have to watch the Carabao Cup. And I think that's evident of their performance against Man City, and very much the team that was played against Man City. I think Eddie Howe will look at this game tonight and want to win it, irregardless of injuries, and probably play his first team. 
He alluded to rotation though in his interview. Possibly due to injuries. Well, yeah. look, I've, I have a couple of questions for you on this one. My first question is, is it braver from Eric Ten Hag to still stick with the first team tonight that he believes is the first team and try and get that first team gelling? Or is the more brave decision to make the changes that everybody is calling for, to bow down to the media and to bow down to the idea that some of those players need dropped, i.e. Rashford, maybe not Fernandez, will... Go for Rashford as the main one and play Garnacho. Which, which is the braver decision? I think, in my opinion, if he plays the first team tonight and if he plays Rashford and Bruno Fernandes and we lose, it will be super toxic tomorrow. Absolutely super toxic and knives will be out. And I think if he does, if he appeases the crowd... What if he appeases the crowd and he plays Garnacho and the other players that we're calling for and he still loses? Are you saying he gets a buy ball because at least he tried them? Yes, I do. I think that'll buy him time. So we're saying that it doesn't matter... I, no, let me reiterate, I do not want Eric Ten Hag sacked. I'm not in the Eric out brigade. I, I want to, at least to um, next summer. I don't want to see him going in January. I won't be given a chance until next summer. Mm. But I think that if he plays the first team tonight and we lose, or it depends on the manner in which we lose as well, if the football is as dire as it has been. It's not... you. I have never heard that Old Trafford crowd boo constantly that I can remember. Van Hal. Was it Van Hal? Yeah, football. Van Hall, but I can't remember. I was actually one of those games, and I was shocked because on the television, it can sound a bit worse than it is. There could be one section of the fans cheering, and as long as it's beside a microphone, it can be amplified. And I thought, you know what, that's sound effects to make it look bad. And then I got to it, and Manchester United were playing the same style of football, that very Dutch style of football, where it comes back into the defence, and the defence passes about and back to the keeper and out to the defender, and it's to keep the ball and create openings in the other team. And the boo started, and I couldn't believe that it was coming from those diehard Man United fans. Do you expect not to boo them? See, you would hear more being in the ground than you would watching on television anyway. I think it's pretty evident on television. Oh, is it, that it's evident now. And it's that, coming yes. from multiple sections of the crowd. And I said to you the other night, I can feel what's coming here. I can feel it at half time. They are going to be booed. And this was the Copenhagen game. And they were booed off the pitch. And then the City game, I expected it, but not... To the intensity and the consistency that it actually came across. There was real toxicity in that fan base, in that city game. It was, it's well, hard to watch as a Man United fan. Well, I expect changes tonight and I'd be very surprised if he doesn't um, rotate the squad. Very surprised. Because you see, there's two schools of thought. Some people are criticising him for his constant um, changing up of the team. And I think I want this. I want him to pick his best starting eleven. Stop messing about with players out of different positions. Stop messing about with players who have maybe nicked you a goal or put in a good 30 minutes passage of play. And I'm talking about Scott McTominay and Christian Eriksen here. Yeah. I want to see Amrabat play with Mount. I want to see Fernandez take up the 10. I want to see Rashford play on the left-hand side with Anthony. And I want to see Whiteland. That's what I would like to see. But there's the other school of thought, and maybe that has more merit than what I'm saying, where you take these underperforming stars, the stars we talked about at the start of this podcast... Anthony who isn't scoring Bruno who's sort of flip-flopping a bit although I do think it's because he's out of position I have to give Bruno Fernandes that I think it's because he's playing on that right wing I really like him on the ten, as a 10 
Um, even though I'm contradicting myself because I said a couple of podcasts ago that Bruno Fernandes could play on the right-hand side. He does it as a right-sided midfielder for Portugal. He's totally wasted as a yeah. right-winger. Uh, so, yeah, I want to see that. Now, if Fernandes drops into a deeper role to let Amrabat hold for the two lads as two tens moving forward in unison, happy days. But I think that is going to take time and it needs the consistency of playing every time it's fit to get there. But... He doesn't strike me as that sort of manager or anything. He does make those changes. So if he's going to continue with that, then yeah, I take everybody's point. Make Maybe make those changes and live and die on your sword. If the changes go right, brilliant. If the changes go wrong, maybe after all the negativity, he does get a bit of grace because we called for the changes and then we all as fans can see that, hold on a minute, this, this guy's not just making mistakes. He's really up against it because that entire squad is not good enough. Yeah, I agree with you. But he has to make those changes tonight and then people will sit back and go, well... He's played Garnacho. Garnacho hasn't made any impact. Mesbury hasn't made any impact. Palestri hasn't made any impact. So, but I think why people are calling for the changes was against um, the last time that we played with a bit of entertainment and, and well was Palace. But then yeah. Palace had a decimated squad as well. So it was six of one, half dozen of the others. But I think because Eddie Howe will rotate tonight... And because of um, injury problems, now would be Eric Ten Hag's chance to play the like of Mesbury, Garnacho, Plus. I'm not talking about throwing the three of them on, but at some point, give Anthony the 90 minutes. You can afford to this match. I think how he goes for the throw tonight. I really do. you do. think he'd play a really strong yeah. squad? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he's that sort of manager. That, and Newcastle aren't at that level where we can turn around and expect a weekend team. He didn't do it against City. He expected City to make changes and he put as strong a team as he could in the pitch and he beat them. I think he'll do that to United tonight. And Eddie Howe owes Eric tonight and Manchester United absolutely nothing. So he will smell blood in the water and he'll go for the throat. Mm. And if he embarrasses United in the process, that's not on Eddie Howe. He will just look at that as his team progressing in the Carabao Cup. Could be revenge tonight for them. You also have to take that into consideration. There's a very human element to this. Yeah, yeah. They narrowly lost that Carabao Cup final against us. They put in a brilliant performance and we managed to come out of the cup. They will look at that and say, right lads, let's show them how far along we've come, that we are the better team this season, that we're in the ascendancy and that United are going backwards and that's Hamlin. And I think that will be the message on the training pitch yesterday from Eddie Howe. This is your chance to show them that you were better than them. Put them out. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. <laughs> so, who for you starts tonight then? So, if you go for Ooh, one of the 11, I've already named my midfielders in attack line, but in net, and it's no reflection on Anna, I want to see by play. And this will come back to the team selection. Onana apparently willing to go back to Cameroon. Yeah. I think that's why we bought by isn't Tom Heaton still there? Tom Heaton's still there. And you've by Ender and Heaton, I don't see that as a. You know, if the lad wants to go and play for his country, I wouldn't stand in his way. You know what you're getting when you say the African players, they're away for a couple of months. Don't disrespect the tournament. Let him go. And if he's going to go, you need to start playing Binder. Because Binder's going to have to get up to speed. Mm. No. Oh, no. Oh, no. Centre-backs. Ooh. I play Varane Lindhoff. Mm, McGuire and Varane. I think that's the strongest centre-back for him. Right. I didn't understand that at the weekend where he said that... I think he was trying to say, look, Harry Maguire and Rafael Varane are the same player. 
both it's play the same on the right position. side of centre back. Yeah. yeah. But Victor Lindelof on that left looks disastrous because he's no left foot. He well, put the ball in a play Lindelof more often. He plays full back for his country. He plays on the uh, the right side. Yeah, as a right back. Yeah. yeah. And why didn't he shift it and put Dallow over on the left side? Equally as poor. Dallow is no he scored is. a cracker in that game, fair enough. But Diogo Dallow is the little epitome of the modern generation's YouTube player. You'll pull a highlight reel out of nowhere on Diogo, Diogo Dallow and his best attributes when moving forward. Look at him for 90 minutes. The misplaced passes, the shy tackles, the absenteeism in defence. He is not a good right back. I would play Victor Lindelof He's in right back. He's more a wing back than a right back. For me, I play Rahulian today in left back. Yeah, I go with that. Yeah, so if you're playing Rahulian there, I would stick with Victor Lindelof, who I'm not a fan of, but more so than Dallow, and I would have Lindelof on the right to stop them coming down the left-hand side. Sorry, say that again. Lindelof, Varane, Maguire, Rahulian would be my back line. Oh no, I go with Dallow. Dallow, Dallow, Varane, Lindelof, Rahulian. Okay. Midfield, are you playing three or two? I'm playing three. I would go with Casemiro, Mount Fernandez. Is Casemiro fit? If he is fit. Oh yeah. Casemiro, Mount Fernandez. Yeah. Playing as a three in midfield or Mount and Casemiro holding for Bruno's ten. I no Mount and Casemiro holding for Bruno's ten. Yeah. Yeah. I would have Cass hold for Mount and Bruno Fernandes to play his right and left side of 10s. I'd let Casemiro just stay in there and do the defensive duties and I would instruct Mason Mount and Bruno Fernandes to come back and be busy in midfield. For whatever length of minutes they can keep it going for a constant running in the midfield, constant coming back. But those two players can. Yeah, and harass Newcastle's midfielders into Casemiro. Double up on them because... The amount of times in games we get doubled up on when our attacking players are midfielders in higher up. Yeah, we need to press them. We need to do it back to teams. Um, so your forward line then? Forward line, right. Uh, this is my pick. I have an awful feeling I know what you're <laughs> going to say. It's going to be the two kids in Hoyland. No. I would play Garnacho, Anthony Marshall. Oh my God. Why not? I would know I would play Garnacho, Marshall and Anthony. Okay. Marshall's has to be able to play 90 minutes now even the first half even 45 minutes to give somebody else a break to give Hoyland a break yeah he could do that although I'm, a, I'm not a fan of playing somebody from the start to try and give someone a break because then I think if you're going to bring that person on anyway let them start because it's harder to come in and fail out a game as a striker I think you play Hoyland first and then you bring Marshall on after 60 minutes I think what he's doing with Hoyland the minute to allow Hoyland to adapt and get up to pace is Bang on. I also think that strikers are creatures of form. That you need to have your... Even if he's out of form, he needs to be on the pitch to find that form. You can't have him sitting on the bench and expect it magically to come by throwing him on for 20 and 25 minutes. I would want my striker on the pitch and if it isn't working out, then I'll take him off. But I'm going to keep putting him in there. Not only so he can adapt and he can get up to speed and he can get in form, but so that my other lads that are playing with him can get used to him. Because he's only in a handful of games. So I want Hoyland to start tonight. I have no idea who flanks him. That's a tough... I, I think Rashford won't play. So I'm going to go with Garnacho And Plastry. I don't think he plays Anthony tonight either. 
I think he'll have looked back. If he wants to be a total disciplinarian, I think he will look back on the snippets and the video clips of what happened the other day and he'll see Anthony's behaviour and I think he'll drop Anthony to the bench again. Well, it's funny you saying that because I would watch an awful lot of the, the YouTubers mm-hmm. yeah, and you know the content creators, whatever you want to call them, and they're divided on that. Now, to me, that was just pure petulance from Anthony in that match. But... You'll have other ones going, ah, oh, shows a bit of fight, shows he's up for the fight. So, In what sense? I have no idea. This is, you know, this... Because um, he's a petulant child and he's knocking the other lad's finger down. But this is, is the way... This, this is the way I perceived it. You know, this is the way I perceived it. That they were saying that he's up for the fight, that, uh, in other words, he cares passionately about being a Man United player. He cares passionately thought, about himself and how he looks on television. But this is it. But it's all about perception and that's what I said I perceived it as petulance but other ones perceived it as they see no wrong in that no I, I tell you what as a man accused of what he's accused of I thought it just showed a real lack of restraint yeah and not exactly what you would want from somebody like totally. that totally yes keep your head shut your mouth and if you want to show your fight put it in and tackle score a goal and then let it all loose yeah, don't be kicking don't around be people. slapping around at people's hands and stuff and then trying to play that off as passion that's nonsense not having that at all. But it just shows you how deluded some of the fan base are. Look, look, everybody has a difference in opinion. That's what makes it entertaining to get on and share your own opinions. I just don't see how anybody could have perceived Anthony's behaviour as anything more than a child acting out, which he seems largely in the way he portrays himself. That nonsense in the bench when he was shaking his head. I just thought, what have you actually done? It's just immaturity. Yeah. But I, it'll be interesting to see what team goes out tonight. Do you know what? The starting to 11 picks are starting to become a bit like picking your fantasy team because you don't know what the fuck is going to happen. No, but you it's fun. What is go- yeah, you don't know what is going to come. But it is fun. Score prediction. 2-1 United. Oh. Martial and Ganache. I'm going to be positive and say it is 2-1 United. I don't think United will get embarrassed tonight. I don't think they'll be decimated. I don't... I don't think we'll be very unhappy after the game. I think the reaction will come tonight. City was a step too far, but Newcastle are bleeding a bit the same way we are. And this is where you come together. You show that you're bigger than the team they got. City was just too much. Um, who's going to be a hero tonight? Um, I'm going to I will say, I'll stick my neck out, right? And say Garnacho. I would love to see him be the hero. I do, I really like Alejandro Garnacho. When you hear me saying that he's not good enough to start, it's because he isn't good enough to start. But there is a talent in there that if you can nurture properly, is going to be a world-class superstar. Really, really is. Who's going to be your zero tonight? Uh, I'm hoping it's not Mason Mount. Hopefully not. But? But, Mason Mount. Yeah, I think the zero tonight... Will be a fear for our fullbacks. I'm going to say Diogo Dalo. A fear for our fullbacks because Newcastle come at you hard down the wings and they come at you at pace and they've got the players available there. Almiron against Rahulian, mm, that's that's tough too. Jacob Murphy, if he's on. But see, that's why I play Anthony. Anthony does the legwork. He does. He goes back defense. Right he does. Yeah. So whoever's down that side, and that's why. Um, Dallow will need that help tonight. Yeah. Regulon will need that help tonight. 
My hero tonight, I'm going for Rasmus Hoyland. When it comes to the cups, there's something about that boy. He just comes alive. And I think if he's getting if they're instructed to cross the ball into the box against Newcastle, I would fancy Hoyland in against their centre backs. They're very solid in defence. Yeah. But he's a unit and he fights so hard for the ball. Uh, so yes, we will be back after the match to give the post game analysis. We will, yeah. Did I catch up with that? Yeah, you did. Yeah, I'm gonna be here for the game. So yes, we'll watch it later on, folks, and then we'll be back to talk about it. Feel free to give us a like on any of the social media pages. Send us some feedback in the DMs if there's something you like, something you didn't like, and just give us a wee listen on Spotify and send a rating if you fancy it. Best of luck, and I'll see you all after the United game, hoping for a positive result. Bye, Plus, everyone. Who knows? <laughs>